Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you guys can be seated. <clears throat> Glad you're here today. Everybody doing well? Boom. Uh, all of my friends who are watching at home from in Tennessee are saying, okay, just a normal Sunday. Everyone else is like, what the heck's this guy got on? It's, it's amazing. So we've been going through a series called The Church Defined, and The Church Defined has been um, something I've wanted to do for a while. We're taking all of our texts from Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 was when the Holy Spirit was promised, as we uh, have seen in Matthew. It was promised. It then happened on what we call the day of Pentecost. There were miracles that occurred. And there was some confusion because the, the people were, were, were in a celebratory and miraculous mode. There were people that were here in their own language. They were... And a lot of people thought they were drunk. And so Peter stood up and said, oh, no, no, they're not drunk. Let me tell you what's going on here. And so they stood up and he, uh, Peter stood up and he addressed the crowd. And what it was is the formation of the church and the church uh, being foretold by Jesus that on this rock, uh, Peter means rock, on this rock, I will build my church uh, and the gates of hell will not, uh, will not go against it. You know, it, it, will, it will not overcome it. And so Peter, Peter stands up and he, gave, he gives this amazing message. And then the response was what we see the formation of the church. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2. I reminded you that the whole creation of the church and the whole idea of the church was Jesus. It was going to be his vessel to spread the gospel all over the world. And I want you to hear that again. What we're doing today is Jesus's idea to spread the gospel all over the world. That's what it is. Jesus was the creator of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. And Jesus is the sustainer of the church. And a lot of people have forgotten that fact. A lot of people think that the sustainer of the church is getting wealthy people to come and give money, or they think that the sustainer of the church is having a cool light show with some fog machines and, and some powerful speaker, and that is the sustainer of the church. A lot of people think those things. The truth of the matter is, is that the sustainer of the church is Jesus Christ. And so I want to take a few minutes uh, to let you know that what we've been looking at as a church is what our purpose is, what our mission is, what our goal is, what our calling is. We've done it in a couple of different ways. The first thing we did is we said the church gathers together. And that was the first message in the series. We gather together. We come here corporately for worship, to glorify God and to edify other people. Last week, we said that as the church, the natural thing is to become disciples. We become disciples 
so that we can in turn disciple others. Are you with me? We become disciples. We define disciples as someone who follows the teachings of another. And that is who we follow is Jesus Christ. So we gather together and we become disciples. The next thing I want to talk about is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. And here's what it says. And I want you, before I, before I read this, I want you to really think about this, okay? I know we read over text in the scriptures and we think, oh, that's cool. But I really, really want you to hear this. And I want you to, I want you to really see what this is saying. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared money with those in need. I want to read that again. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. What in the world had these people experienced to make them gather together to share everything they had with one another and to sell their possessions and property and give it to the poor. What in the world did they experience? Today we see something totally different, don't we? Don't we see something totally different? Haven't we drifted way away from what the original church was intended to be? Hadn't we done that? I mean, let's be completely transparent here. Haven't we done that? Haven't we drifted far away from what the original intent of the church was? We've drifted far away from that. A lot of times what we see at church is, is come and see. Come and see what we have. Come and see what we offer. Come and see. I want you to come and see. <coughs> the church is going to make some grand thing. We're going to do some grand thing. And everyone come and see what we have. And then what we're going to try to do is, is we're going to try to convince you. Here you are. We're going to convince you that you need to be part of this fellowship or that fellowship. I tell people all the time, there's people that come here and they're like, yeah, you know, man, this is, you know, it's just, it's kind of just not for me. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Go find some place it is for you. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be offensive in that way. I'm being dead serious because if this place really isn't for you and you come anyway, because you think it's some kind of obligation what you end up being is you end up being miserable and you end up making us miserable. And there's enough misery to go around that surely the heck there's 500 churches in the area. I told that to a guy one time. He was like every Sunday he would come up after the service. And I don't mind people coming up to me after the service saying, now what did you mean when you said this or when you said that? But he came up to me and he said, uh, Pastor, I want to ask you about this. And he had his Bible and he would show me and I would explain it to him. And the next week he did it again. He had his Bible and he showed me and I explained it to him. And then the third week I was like, Okay, so he comes up and he starts to come up, and one of our one of our leadership team members kind of stepped in and said, "Hey, hey, let's." I said, "No, no, that's totally fine." And, I, and he started asking me questions. I said, "Let me ask you a question." I said, "I said, where are you from?" He said, "I'm from Peachtree City," and I said, "Listen, man, I'm being honest with you. Between here and there, there's like 200 churches. Like you pass 200 churches. I don't think this is the one for you." 
And he was like, well, I've never heard a pastor say that. I said, that's because most people aren't honest enough to tell you. You know, it's just, in, I love you. You know, I'm glad you're here. But brother, I don't, I don't know if this is the one for you because every week, everything that I've said, you've kind of wanted to argue about. And I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just not. I'm just not going to do it. No, I'll meet you. Come sit up and have an appointment with me. I'll talk to you. But as far as arguing with you, I'm, that's kind of where the church has gotten to. You know what I mean? It's gotten there. It, what in the world happened in Acts chapter 2 that made them do this? I'll tell you what happened. What happened is, is that they realized their need for Christ. And they realized what their position was and what Christ's position was. And because Holy Spirit drew them, drew them, and they began to see things, signs and wonders, they began to see these things, they got drawn in. And suddenly, I want you to hear this, suddenly those things that used to matter to them didn't matter anymore. You know, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. I have nice things. For God's sake, I spent like 30 bucks on this shirt. You know, I know I didn't get my money's worth. I know I didn't. I know I didn't. It should have been like 10, right? Right? Maybe three. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I know. I was very disappointed when I saw it said Columbia because I know Columbia means more expensive. And I was like, great. Do they not have like a generic one, like a Jans port or something like that? You know, some, where's the chaps? I need the chaps. You know what I'm saying? I'm a chaps guy. Like, you know, two for 30. Anyway, no, they didn't have that. So, and this was on sale too. And I was like, great. But anyway, I got nice things. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There is something wrong with nice things having you. Are you with me? What did they see here? What happened to them? They were gathering together. They were becoming disciples. And then they radically began to share everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. Now listen, I'm not telling you to go home and say, well, honey, we're selling the house. We're going to live in a lean-to. I'm not telling you that. I'm not. And I'm for sure not telling you to go home and sell your house and give all the money to the church. Or I'm not telling you that either. What I am telling you is, is that we have a warped sense of God's view of what the church is intended to be. And one of the things that we do better here, I think, than any other church is we do not put an emphasis on money here. We don't. We don't put an emphasis on money. And you know what happens when we don't put an emphasis on money? God just keeps on providing. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. It, it, next week, you're going to see the provision of God. Next week, you're going to see a clear picture of the provision of God. It's our celebration Sunday, and it's going to, be, it's going to blow you away. But we don't do that here. And it's crazy because even though we don't advertise this on social media, and I've shared this before, almost 25% of our budget, in the end, almost every year, almost 25 to 30% of our budget, we end up giving away. And over Christmas alone, and I've said this before, over Christmas alone, we gave away over $50,000. Of a church our size, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, we did. We did ministry this week by helping people. We're not going to take pictures and put it on social media. Because when we do that, guess who gets the glory? Us. 
We want God to get the glory, not us. What is it that happened to these people? What is it? There's a story in the, in the scriptures that really gives a good picture. It's a story of Ruth and Boaz. And in the Old Testament, it was actually written in the law in the Old Testament that if you owned, a, if you owned crops, if you owned land and you had a field, what you would do is, <coughs> is you would actually, it was mandated that when you were picking, let's say you had corn. I'll just throw that out. You had corn, a cornfield. When you were picking the corn, you would leave a portion of the corn. You would actually leave about 10% of the corn. You would not take everything. You wouldn't take every little thing. You would leave, they would leave a portion. For them, it was oftentimes the wheat. They would leave a portion of the wheat. And what would happen was that, that the poor people would then come to the fields after you had, have harvested. And the poor people would glean, what they call it, glean. They would glean the rest of the field. They would take for nothing. They would take what was left over. And so in, in the story of, of, of Ruth and Boaz, what you see is, is you see, you see Boaz being the landowner before they would, went out to harvest, he noticed this lady. And he said this, he said, I want you to start leaving more. Leave more. Leave more back for that, for that lady and that family. I want you to leave more and more and more. And that's what occurred. That's what occurred. The same principle is true for us Oftentimes, you guys, whenever we have situations, let me just read Proverbs 19.17, what it says. And I want you to hear this. Proverbs 19.17 says this. It says, if you help the poor, <coughs> you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. I want you to hear that. We forget that. There's a promise in the scripture. We forget that. If, you're, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Acts 20 verse 35 says this. It says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Galatians 5.13 says this. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Here it is. Don't use the freedom that God came and gave you when you turned your life over to him. It says this, instead, use your freedom to serve, serve one another in love. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, it says, God has given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. It says, use them well to serve one another. In Matthew 23, 11, he says this, he says, the greatest among you must be a servant. We gather together, we become disciples, but third is, is that we serve God and we serve others. And we do this with our time, with our finances, with our entire being and our entire life. We serve God and we serve Others, I want to tell you something that's true, and it's this. Disciples serve others. Disciples serve 
others. They get fully connected into the life of the church and they serve other people and it's a joy to do so. I want to tell you a couple months back me and my buddy Adam went out to I-58 Mission. I-58 Mission is a local ministry that helps people that are down on their luck. It helps people who maybe don't have enough food. They don't have clothing. They don't have the proper clothing. Our church does a lot of things for I-58 Mission. We've put floors in for them. We've bought shoes for them. Now this is going going to be in our third year to buy shoes. We provide shoes for them starting school. And we provide shoes for them whenever they start back after Christmas. And we do that every single year. And we love I-58 Mission. It's It's a very legitimate ministry. And they have a worship service on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. And the people come in and they usually have a pastor that speaks and they'll have some worship time. And so we took the entire month, I believe it was March, Adam, I'm not sure, I think it was March. We took the entire month of March and we ended up going out there every Sunday, every, every Thursday we would go out there and he would lead worship and I would speak. And sometimes he would lead worship and he would speak. Um, those were the better weeks, by the way, when he spoke. <laughs> anyway, but we would literally go out there every week. And I want to tell you guys something. I never one time left there. I never one time left there thinking, gosh, man, I wish I hadn't done this. Why did I do this for? Why did I come out here? I never one time left there thinking, you know, man, I just, I don't have enough clothes. I need to go buy some more clothes. You know, I don't have enough. I need more. I never left there doing that. I never did. I never left there thinking, you know what, man, I'm not blessed enough. God, you really need to bless me more. You really do. You know how I left there? I left there thinking, thank the Lord that I have what I have. Thank the Lord that I have what I have. I was thankful. I was so thankful. And it's something that occurs naturally. It's not forced. It's not forced at all. Because you know why? Because I want to tell you something. The closer you get to God, the more you want to serve other people. It's a true fact. The closer you get to God, the more you want to serve other people. Jesus came to serve, and his expectation is for us to do the same. And here's something I want you to hear. And here's something that may be difficult for you to hear, but it's this. Jesus wants us to serve other people, even the ones that we don't necessarily like. I want you to hear that. Jesus wants us to serve other people, even the ones that we don't necessarily like. Even the ones that we don't necessarily agree with politically. Even the ones we don't necessarily agree with socially. Even the ones that get on our nerves. I would say especially the ones that get on our nerves. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that the disciples got on Jesus' nerves? He did. They did. There's a scene whenever Lazarus has died and, and they're all, he's talking to the disciples and he says, hey, listen, you know, we need to go. And, and Thomas, says, Thomas says, well, let's go so we can die with him. And then there's nothing said after that. They just start walking. I've got to think Jesus went. Come on, guys, and took off. So I'm going to need to get some water, guys. All right. 
Guys, it's easy to serve nice people. It's easy to, it's, it's easy to serve those with the same color skin we have. It's easy to serve those with the same background. It's easy to serve those with the same socioeconomic background. It's hard to serve those sometimes that we don't necessarily agree with. It's hard. You know what Jesus did? Jesus, did not go to, Jesus didn't go to the church to serve people. You know where he went? Straight to the streets. As a matter of fact, he said, who are the most outcast people in the whole area? And he went straight and served them. And can I tell you something? The truth of the matter is, is that that's what got him killed. Because he wasn't about the status quo. Disciples, disciples serve other people. The second thing I want you to know is this. You will never be more like Jesus than when you serve. You will never be more like Jesus when you serve. What did I say last week the definition of a disciple is? <clears throat> the definition of a disciple is someone who is more and more and more like Jesus every day. Simply put, you guys, Jesus served other people. There's a text that talks about in John 13, it talks about Jesus washing people's feet. And you see the picture, we see the picture of Jesus kneeling down and washing people's feet. And people were like, oh man, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think you want to, you know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know about that. I, Peter was like, no, you're going to wash my whole body. But Jesus was like, no, no, unless you let me serve you, you can't be with me. And he was given an example of, hey, listen, I want you to understand something. I am the savior of the world, yet I humbled myself and served. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve other people. And deep down, you guys, we all know this is true. We all know this is true. There is something that happens inside of us whenever we go and serve other people. You guys know what I'm talking about? That little gut feeling inside of you when you go and serve other people? You know, all the issues of the day fade away. All the problems, all the things, all the stuff that's going on, it all fades away. But there's something that happens whenever we serve other people. There, it's almost like there's this inner, this inner voice that's confirming with us that what we're doing is the right thing. Every Christmas season, more of you come up to me and say, I just love our church. You don't do that very often during the year. I don't know why, but anyway. But man, during Christmas season, you guys come up and say, I just love our church. Do you know why you say that? Because what we do during that time of the year is a reflection of the heart of Christ. And you know deep down, when you see some of the people that we help, when you see some of the changes that come about, when you see some of the results, when you see the faces of the people that are in need, when you get out of your bubble and you go see those faces, you and I both know that that's exactly when we're never, we are more like Christ. And those actions are helping you understand the heart 
of Christ. And that's why you always feel so great. So the question is, is why don't we serve more? Why don't we serve more? If that's the case, why don't we serve more? You know what I'm saying? Why don't, why don't we serve more? Well, there's a reason why we don't serve more. I listed off some hindrances to serving and giving. I did. And I want to talk to you about these for the, for the rest of the time remaining. I want to share with you some hindrances that I think that we have from serving and giving. The first thing is this, is comfort. Comfort is a hindrance to you serving and giving. It's a hindrance to you serving God and serving other people. Comfort. It isn't always easy to step out of your comfort zone. When we first planted this church, all we had was 30 to 35 people that were on board to do it. And a lot of those people had never, they have wanted to serve maybe, but as far as being out in front of people, you know, they weren't, they had never done it before and it just wasn't in their personality. But I'll tell you something, that first Sunday, you know what they were doing? They were welcoming people. Hey, how are you doing? Oh my gosh. The whole time totally out of their comfort zone. They'd have rather been sitting in a corner somewhere. But they were like, hey, how are you doing? And everyone started working together and getting out of their comfort zone. Our comfort, our comfort makes it difficult to serve. Can I tell you when God teaches you the most? I said this a couple of weeks ago. He teaches you whenever you go through trials and tribulations and he teaches you whenever you're out of your comfort zone. Listen, I went on a mission trip in 1993 to Haiti. Actually, I went to Haiti in, in 2013. I went, to, uh, I went to Guyana in 1993. And all I know, there was a jungle and it was heat. That's all I know. That's just what I know for both. But I go to, I go to Guyana and I step off the plane. Let's just say I stuck out a little bit. Are you with me? And I had hair at the time and it was poofy. So imagine me, big old self with poofy red hair, stepping off the plane. And I stepped off the plane, and I had never been to a foreign country before. And this is what I heard, and I'm not joking. Fat man! Fat man! What's up, fat man? And naturally I go, You fat man! I was like, well, you're ugly, so whatever. <laughs> That's what they yelled at me. And I was like, well, this is going to be interesting for three weeks. <laughs> what I didn't know was, was that to them, fat man is not a uh, negative thing. It means that I was wealthy. I assume it means I was wealthy because I could afford more food. Therefore, I was fat man. But that's what they yelled. 
I was 22 years old and I was way out of my comfort zone. And God didn't think that would be enough. So you know what he did? This is a true story. The night before we left for the mission trip, our mission trip leader went to Walmart. And back then, they're coming back in style, I think. But back then, fanny packs were a thing. And he had to go to the potty. And he had to exchange money. He had to exchange money in Miami. So we flew from Cincinnati, Ohio to Miami. And then Miami to Guyana. For those that don't know where Guyana is, Guyana is in South America. Guyana is made famous by Jim Jones, who was the cult leader. Um, Been right there. Um, He goes to the potty. He left $7,000 in cash in the bathroom and never saw it again. So everyone that night, he put a hat in the middle. He was going to have to cancel the trip. And they said, no, we're going. And so 25 people, he put a hat out, 25 people put money in. I went to Guyana, South America with $20 in my pocket. That's it. Nothing else. I gave everything else to the ministry. But that wasn't the end of that story. I had never washed clothes before. Okay? I know that's shocking, but my mom, you know, my mom always did my clothes. If I wasn't married, my mom would probably still be doing my clothes. I'm just being honest with you. I'd never washed clothes before. And for some reason, I bought a big old thing of, of, of it. And this is, this will date me, but like liquid detergent was starting to be a thing. I know it was a lot, I know for those that, but it was starting to be a thing. So I got a big old thing of liquid detergent and I had to wash my clothes in a sink. And my, they thought it would be great instead of me being indoors working on the building, they thought it would be great to put the fat man with ginger hair outside in the heat of 120 degrees. So I did the recreation and I washed my shirt in the sink. And the thing said to use a cup full for a load. And I did use a cup full for a shirt. I kid you not, I washed my shirt. It looked good. It smelled great. Like it was like, it was, it was great. I go out in the back and we're playing, I don't know what we were playing, but it was, I, we, we were, what, what's that? Is it Red Rover where you come over? Yeah, where they come back and forth? We were playing Red Rover with all these kids. And my shirt starts bubbling. And I've got bubbles all over my shirt because I'm sweating and I'm outside. But that wasn't enough. I wasn't out of my comfort zone enough with that. So they have these beautiful banana trees in Guyana. And I saw one and I was like, that's a good looking banana. Big old thick banana. I took that banana off that tree. I peeled it and I ate a big old bite of it. It wasn't a banana. It was a plantain. And if you've ever eaten plantain, it was very bad. And it was very bad. We go, we go out to a nice restaurant. They invited us to come to a nice restaurant. We go to the restaurant. We sit down. 
Guys, listen. I have eaten peanut butter and jelly for two weeks. And they were going to have chicken and rice. What it really was, was rice and chicken bones. And I said, is there no meat here? And the guy next to me said, bro, have you seen the chickens? They're all skinny too. And they were. They were running around everywhere. I'm sitting at the table, looking at the other end of the table. And the guy at the end of the table is talking to me. And he has blood coming down the side of his mouth. And I'm like, bro, you're bleeding. He's like, what? The, the way they dry the rice over there then was they would pick the rice. They would lay it along the sides of the road. Let it dry out. Scoop it up. Clean it off. Go in and cook it. That's what they did. Apparently when they had scooped up the rice, there was glass so I had chicken and rice in glass. That's what I had. And that was my experience in Guyana. Out of my comfort zone. Can I tell you something? I miss it. I miss that feeling of serving God out of my comfort zone. I miss the feeling of being out of control. Because I like to be in control, but when I'm out of control, and I was completely out of control, I miss it. I was supposed to preach one Sunday morning. We had to walk seven miles. And for some reason, my dumb self thought that it would be good. It's 110 degrees, no joke. I had on a pair of khaki pants. And back then, denim shirts were popular. I had a long sleeve denim shirt on. And we had to walk seven miles. And on the way back, the walk was in the rain. And that was really fun. Has anyone ever smelled a paper mill? Well, when they process sugar cane, it, it smells exactly like a paper mill. And that's what we smelled for seven miles. But that's not the funniest story. I get up that morning, and I'll never forget it. I get up that morning, and I can't find my tie. And there, because of the history, you had to wear a tie if you were going to preach. And so I was looking for my tie. And I was like, I know I brought this tie. I don't know where my tie is. And I look, and there is a crack in the floor. And my tie is hanging out of that crack. And I'm like, what in the world happened to my tie? Why would it be in there? Someone's playing a joke. And so I grab the tie and I pull it. And there was something on the other end of my tie. A rat was on the other end of my tie. <clears throat> and I pull it. And I kid you not, it pulls back. <laughs> and I pull it. And it pulls back. And finally, I just jerked it, and the rat went flying and hit a wall, and then took off. And the ends of my tie, thankfully it wasn't the front part, it was the back part, it was completely frayed and chewed. And that was my experience in Guyana. And I miss it. We went to Haiti in 2000, 
2014, around that time. And I miss it. I miss the feeling of being completely dependent on God. I miss the feeling of sleeping where I know that God is fully in control. I miss it. There's a deep-seated peace and joy knowing that you're doing God's will and you're out of your comfort zone. The next thing that hinders you from serving and giving is your debt. It does. Debt's the enemy of serving and giving. I want you to hear that. Debt is the enemy of serving and giving. How do I know that? I'll tell you how I know it. I know it because I've been in several different churches and I've worked in several different churches that had a lot of debt. And they weren't beholden to the ministry of Christ. They were beholden to the mortgage payment. And that's just a fact. The thought was, if we build these huge buildings in these nice facilities, and there's nothing wrong with huge buildings, and there's nothing wrong with nice facilities. Look in the Old Testament, look at the temple. There's nothing wrong with those things. If we build these huge things, then people will come and we will grow, and then we'll continue to do that. And those things will be better. And so what they chose is they chose to build these big buildings with good hearts and pure hearts, but they did so with debt. And then the economy happened and things happened and so and so got mad. And suddenly instead of being beholden to the ministry of Christ, they're beholden to whoever has, can write the biggest check. There's a lot of things I can't tell you about our church. I can tell you this though. As long as I'm leading the church, we're not having debt. Period. As long as I'm leaving the church, leading the church, we're not having debt. Period. We're not doing it. You know why? Because I want to give to other people. I don't want to give to the bank. I don't want to give, I don't want to, give to, to Delta Community Credit Union. I don't want to pay interest on something. Because I want to take every dime of that and give it to someone who's in need. I would rather do ministry here on the ground, on the, in the homes, in the schools, in the area, in the county than I would to pay a mortgage payment because we thought we needed something bigger than what God's provided. So when God provides, we move. When God has us stay, we stay. Romans 13.8 says it right. I love this. Romans 13.8 says this. It says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. And if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. <laughs> Is debt a bad thing? Not necessarily. But I'm going to tell you something, too much debt will strangle you. And it definitely will strangle a church. The final thing is this, is your priorities. Hindrances to serving and giving, your priorities. I want to tell you something. You have to carve out time for serving. You can. You have to carve out time for serving. I'm going to be completely transparent with you about something and I don't want to offend anybody, but I want to tell you this, especially if you have children. Listen, your kid doesn't need to be in every little thing that comes down the pipe because they, you want them to be happy. Do you know what will make your kids happy? What makes your kids happy is being with you. It's being part of your family. There's nothing wrong with your kid being involved in activities. 
but I feel like that a lot of times we think that our kids aren't, we want our kids to be happy and we want to keep up with the Joneses. And so our kid is going to be involved in every little thing. We didn't let our children do that. We didn't. The only thing that was a non-negotiable for us, for our children, was that they come to student ministry, they'd be involved in the children's ministry, and they're with us at church. Everything else was negotiable. My, my son played sports when he was growing up, and I thought that was awesome. He did. Whenever he was in high school, he wanted to get involved in music, and that was the direction he wanted to go. But we would not allow him to do all, all kinds of other things. Because, see, we recognized that a full schedule did not consist of a healthy, happy family. A full schedule most of the time consisted of a busy family that didn't have time for other things that didn't have time for that which was most important, which is, which is serving God and serving other people. Your priorities tell you a lot. If you tell me what your schedule looks like in the month, if you sent me your schedule for the month of September already, I can tell you where your priorities lie. I can. Those are hindrances to you serving and to you serving God and serving others. And so think on those things. Today you have an opportunity to sign up. Can I tell you something really cool that's happening right now as we speak? As we speak right now, can I tell you something really cool? We have over 30 children in our children's ministry this morning. Over 30 children in our children's ministry this morning. Is that cool or what? Look, six years ago, I'd have been happy if we'd had 30 people at the church. I'd have been stoked. We have over 30 children in our children's ministry. I mean, they're running around like chickens with them head cut. I mean, all over the place. They need you. They need us to step up. So my thought is, is that God's saying this. He said, hey, listen, all these children are at your church. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Today is draft day. When you leave here, you'll have an opportunity to stop in, scan a QR code, talk to, uh, talk to the people at the tables, and sign up and begin to give back to the ministry and to give to God and to serve other people. Through our small groups, we're going to have, our small group talked about it this week, we're going to come together and we're going to find a ministry that we pour into on an individual basis. And I'm encouraging every small group to do that and to serve our community. Our church is still serving people. But can I be honest with you? I don't want to just write a check. I want to go be the hands and feet. And that's what I think God's calling us to do. So let's make sure our priorities are straight. Let's make sure that we put first things first. And don't forget what, what, what was said in the text of the scriptures. If you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. Do you know what that came after? It came after a long dis discord that Jesus did a Sermon on the Mount. It came a long discord about money and stuff and worrying. And then he said, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added.
Jesus has you in the palm of his hand, I promise you he does. You don't have to worry about things. Just decide to serve him. Decide to serve God and to serve other people. And at some point in your life, there may be a time when you can't anymore or that you miss it, like I do, Guyana and Haiti. Because if I'm being transparent with you, I'll tell you this. It was probably when I was closest to God. When it's all I had was him. And what a great feeling that was. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact, God, that you love us to the point where you want us, you pour into us gifts and talents, and you want us to serve. You want us to serve you, Lord. You want us to serve and to give. And so, God, I pray today, I pray today, that you would touch the hearts of the people that are here. That you would touch the hearts of the people that you've brought here to be part of this ministry. And that you would, Lord, that you would draw them to stop by on the way out and to say, you know what, I really want to do that. You know, I know it's out of my comfort zone, but I want to do that. I want to do something different. I don't want the same old result I've been getting. I want something different. God, where do I need to be at? Where do I need to serve at? Lord, as we step out on faith and you do what you do in our lives, when the change comes and the joy just expands and lives change, because of what you called us to do. We won't take the glory, God, but we'll give you all the glory and praise and honor. Let us be a church that not only gathers together and becomes disciples, but that serves you and serves other people. That's what the heartbeat of the church should be, just like those people in the book of Acts. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.